you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit is a good sports town. Detroit is fiercely proud of its Tigers and just as partisan about its lions. Watch the Red Wings play or see the Lions. They keep on trying. That's all that one can do. Oh, welcome to another edition of Hard Knocks presented by Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. And I'm joined by the tiny box to my tugboat wearing a robe somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where, but she looks smashing. Colleen Wolf. Dan, uh, this is a big day for me. I am in Sonoma for a work event, and I am feeling a little Ron Burgundy. I'm really <laughs> leaning in and enjoying myself, so I put on this blue robe to do the show. Is this going to end with you having a brown drink in your hand and yelling cannonball and jumping into a 10-foot pool? I hope so. I, I have to locate a couple of those items first during the show, but maybe if everyone's lucky, fingers crossed. All right. So we are yes, yeah, separated by hundreds of miles, but we're together to talk episode two of Hard Knocks training camp with the Detroit Lions. And uh, Connie, once again, the David Robodeau theme song snaps me right into it. I'm focused. I, I do not want to let Dan Campbell down because I don't want him to go ape shit on me like he will on you if you're not paying attention during a preseason game, which, by the way, uh, that's a huge <laughs> ask. We've been watching football for a long time, Connie. Everybody knows that preseason is you know, kind of a joke, especially later in games. And if you're a, an everyday or a starting player, keeping your focus on the game uh, is not something you typically see when they flash to the sidelines. And yet, Dan Campbell was telling his gang, if you are not locked in every second of this preseason game, I will kill you. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Well, I can't believe that your mic already hasn't been cut off. I mean, the preseason <laughs> is a big deal. You can catch 22 live ones on NFL Network. Oh, All of the games will be there. Uh, I was in the studio on Saturday and I feel like I know everything about Kenny Pickett at this point. Listen, the preseason, it's a big deal. 
But I can understand how players might not be locked in, especially for the Lions when they're playing the Falcons. Fourth quarter of a preseason game between the Lions and the Falcons is a little bleak, not going to lie. But Dan Campbell, he's trying to get his guys to focus in, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and I thought, obviously, coming off episode one, episode one was, I thought, such a banger in the uh, history the rich history, the history is rich, Connie. It is. Of this uh, documentary series that I don't remember the cold open of the show being a last time on Hard Knocks, which was appropriate because it was a banger. There are a few premieres that stack up in recent years uh, like this one did. So we got to see many of the greatest hits from episode one. And of course, Dan Campbell was prominently involved. And when you look at episode two, Campbell is not as much or is not as high in the mix as he was in episode one. And and that's okay. You can't, it doesn't have to be all Dan Campbell all the time. Uh, Instead, I thought this, this episode kind of showed us when you think about what was the theme of this episode, what was NFL films, what is HBO trying to tell us uh, with the story here? I think the theme was the lions are now in training camp. They are in the middle of it. They are in, and we're starting to get a better idea of what this team is up against, quite frankly, because I think there's been so much positive vibes around the Detroit Lions uh, throughout this offseason, the draft, the ramp-up, all the feel-good vibes, um, all the talk about the improved roster, the number two overall pick, um, and now you have a situation where you forget that this team went 3-14 and 14 last year, and this team has Jared Goff as the starting quarterback, no disrespect intended, and this team has so much work to do to get to where they need to be. And you even see it, and we're going to get to the preseason game that capped this episode in that game. And it reminded me kind of how many terrible losses they had last season where they couldn't close a game and they didn't close a preseason game. And uh, so that was a big takeaway for me that, yes, the Lions are fun. They're frisky. They got grit for days. But this episode reminded us that this they're a long way from where they want to be. Episode two was basically a reality check. Episode one felt like all of the buzz. This team has so much personality. There is so much optimism and positivity around them. They're going to be amazing. It's a fresh start. Look at all these like former players that are coaches. And then you get a preseason game and you remember everything that happened last year. Now, a couple of things that you mentioned off the top here. I also noted that Dan Campbell, he was featured a little less in this episode. I did enjoy the Atta baby that we got a lot from him. I didn't, you know, we heard in episode one, everything was like, come on, man. Like, man, you know, it's a lot of mans, mans. which I appreciate. But the Atta baby was new. And I don't know if that is a phrase that everybody uses. Maybe I'm just like not in the know about it. I but like I Atta yeah. baby maybe had faded in the uh, parlance of society a little bit. Uh, and now maybe yeah. he's making a comeback. Thanks to Dan Campbell. Dan Talica. Right. Right. Like Atta baby. I'd kiss you right now if you weren't breathing so hard. Uh, Dan Campbell <laughs> said at one point that was interesting. But I did have a little bit of is that OK to say now I, I lose track of these things. I have no idea what is right and what is wrong anymore, but I do know that Dan Campbell has shades of Matt Foley in his voice and his intensity when he's screaming at the team from SNL, uh, the great Chris Farley, who played uh, Matt Foley, the motivational speaker. (laughs) 
with uh, David Spade, and I can't even remember who else was in that amazing. Christina sketch. Applegate was the yes. uh, other sister in, in the most famous one when he fell into the table or fell through the table, I should say. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, living in a van down by the river. So when you watch these episodes, I want you to think about that. Um, but overall, I think that my big takeaway from this episode and the theme that I got was that they are trying to get this team, the Lions, to match the attitude of the city, that it's on the rise and that it is completely gritty. It's Detroit against everybody. It's literally on the walls. Dan Campbell has grit written on his hat. I mean, this is very it's it's a little like Philadelphia in like Philly versus the world. That was kind of their mantra mm -hmm. when they went to the Super Bowl. But it felt like an episode where the producers and everyone was was kind of trying to show that this team is trying to prove how physical and attacking they want to be, that the coaches are working so hard to change the culture there. And you can see that when Aaron Glenn is like addressing the team about changing their mindset and that they need to get that winning feeling back. You can see that when Kelvin Shepard, it is Kelvin Shepard, right? Yeah. The um, linebackers, linebackers coach. coach yep is kind of address. I mean, when I say addressing the, uh, the linebackers, they, he was basically like chewing them out for Rodrigo being able, like showing them all up. You can see it when Deuce Daly is telling the coaches what he wants out of Swift. It's all throughout the show. It's woven in it's Amon Ross St. Brown versus everybody. I mean, you can see it from start to finish. So that was kind of like my big takeaway. That's a great, like sports mentality to have the nobody believes in his card. It's been a well-worn trope uh, for decades and decades, but it, it does suit the lions well. And I think Campbell's wise to play that way. Cause you are playing off the failure of the org failures of the organization for decades upon decades. So that was, so you take this stance of listen, nobody thinks we can do it, but we think we can do it. And th that's what training camp is about. It's us going into bunker mode together to figure figure it out. And you brought up Malcolm Rodriguez, who is um, he is our right now alone in the clubhouse as the lead underdog of season seventeen of Hard Knocks. He is a uh, what was he a fifth round pick, Justin? Six. Sixth round pick, Malcolm Rodriguez. We saw him briefly uh, doing a dance. Um, in episode one, but now we see him uh, blowing up, uh, blowing up the offense at, at the linebacker position in episode two, and you get glowing praise by Kelvin Shepard, uh, just using Malcolm Rodriguez as a basically a guy saying, "Listen, this is who you need to be better than." He's only a six-round pick, which I thought with Rodriguez right there in the meeting room, a little bit of a weird vibe that maybe is like. What do you mean? Why are you acting 100%. like it's, yeah, it's not good enough that I'm not, you know, you're, these guys are, shouldn't be better than me. But I thought it was a, an apt point that he was making that uh, and he made sure uh, Shepard to pump him up by saying coach has been in this building for five years, said he has not seen a stack linebacker made this kind of play, referring to one play where he blew up a player. And it's like, I will say one warning. I want to give a warning to viewers that maybe don't know hard knocks as well as us. When you start, when you have a segment, when a, a player, uh, a low drafted player, an undrafted player gets talked up like that, you assume he's going to be a star. He very well could be cut at the end of this month or early September. That's how this game works sometimes. But it looks like Malcolm Rodriguez is earning his keep. 
I'm also the linebackers. Maybe they just aren't that good. I mean, yeah, when you have fair. that that meeting was kind of tense, like him motivating the other linebackers by low key shading Rodrigo at the same time. Like, right. he was you're like, not you better know, than this guy. That was basically yeah. like you could look at it two ways. Do we have an issue with the nickname Rodrigo? Is that, I mean, that's his name is Rodriguez. And right. We could do better than that, right? Well, this was the nickname that was given on the first day. So that to me kind of spoke volumes because it seems like you have to earn everything on this team, except maybe your nicknames, because it's a big nickname team. You got uh, Josh Reynolds. They call him the serpent of death. Did you catch that at the beginning? (laughs) Like, I I don't know if that was just like a nickname in the moment. I mean, uh, bunches, bunches of oats. There, There's a lot of nicknames throughout this entire episode. But the Serpent of Death was one that, that well, stood out to me. Connie, you're kind of making <laughs> my point. Like Josh Reynolds is a Serpent of Death and Malcolm Rodriguez is Rodrigo. I mean, I just, right. you know, I don't know. I don't have to I don't have a big issue with it. But maybe in this one in this one case, I think Dan Campbell could do a little better than that. You also mentioned uh, DeAndre Swift and. You know, I want to play this clip from Deuce Staley, who had another big show, I thought. Another big app for Deuce, the former Eagles running mm-hmm. back turned assistant coach uh, of the Lions. And um, I want to play what Deuce had to say, speaking in a private um, conference room with the other coaches about Swift. Uh, and then I have another thing to add. Let's listen to that. Grave Digger. I need Swift to believe he's the best every time you step on the fucking field. I need him to know when he's one-on-one, no matter if he's running a route or he has the ball in his hand, no one can guard him or tackle him. I want him to go to Dan at halftime and say, Coach, I want the ball. And he got it. It's in there. Boy, it's special. And every day we go out there between those lines, he got to believe that. And I'm going to try my hardest to get that shit out of him. Ain't no try. I'm going to get it out of him. Because he can be so special. I've been around some guys that's been in space, some special ones. He got it. And you see right after that, Deuce then in a private meeting with the running backs because Staley's also the running backs coach, challenging Swift to be a more aggressive runner to to kind of go the take it to the next level uh, and take all that promise and turn it into him being a top running back in the league. And I think you got a nice glimpse there, Connie, into the team's feelings on Swift as he enters his third year. He was the 35th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Going in the top 35 as a running back in the modern NFL means a team thinks you're a star. And I think he's flashed that. And he certainly was on his way to having a star type season last year before he got injured in week 12. But you you could tell they're banking on him to be a stud. And, and there's maybe some messaging that they see that hasn't gotten through yet that they're trying to get into his head. And this was another example that I sort of put in that bucket of the coaches trying to change the mentality of the entire team, because this seems like it's not a physical thing with Swift because Deuce seems to love him. It's more of a mental thing. It's more of unlocking that potential. Like when he says that he wants to know that he's the best on the field, when Swift walks on the field, like that's a confidence thing to me Mm -hmm. when he says that, He wants Swift to go to him and say, I want the ball. That's a drive thing. That's a competitive fire thing. To me, 
this is saying that he is just one of the players on the team that maybe is getting comfortable in being complacent. Like Michael Irvin always talks about when he first got to Dallas and they were bad and Irv had been really good in college and he just was always wired that way. And when he got into that locker room, he was like, I don't understand. Like, why aren't you guys upset? Why aren't you guys like trying to get better? And the veterans were like, you know, you just got to cash that check. You're good. And so he always talks about how difficult it was to change the culture. And that's something that you can see, especially with Swift, because do he really likes him. It's, he seems to think that Swift is on the precipice of, of kind of greatness. And if he just gives that little extra effort, you know, if he just gives that stiff arm, then he'll get the touchdown. If he's a little bit more physical, if he is a little bit more greedy, then they can they can get over that hump. And it's it's not just him. It's him and it's everybody on the team. Yeah, I think with Swift, he has all the talent in the world. We need to get some more grit into Swift. And like uh-huh. you said, the stiff arm where we see the clip uh, where Deuce Daly makes a point to say, you could have scored here if you would have gotten more physical bouncing inside instead of bouncing outside in the preseason game, giving it to him. So a little tough love for Swift. Thought that was interesting. How about Connie um, Amon Ross St. Brown? Oh, my God. Uh, yes. And uh, Grave Digger. I know this one. Uh, hit home for you because he's coming off an excellent season in 2021. Um, and he was the first to say, in fact, that's how we, we first learn about um, St. Brown, where he says, for me, I'd say my draft experience was shitty. And then he goes over through every single receiver. And how many of them were there, Justin, including a certain Tennessee Titan, your favorite team? Yeah, 16 receivers drafted ahead of him, including Des Fitzpatrick to the Titans, the final receiver drafted ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, so he and he ticks those off, Connie, off the top of his head. Uh, so he's one of those motivation guys. We learned a lot about the St. Brown or was it Brown family? It's a little confusing. OK, so one of the things that I found really interesting was when Amon Ra St. Brown was reciting all of the receivers and the schools they went to. He did it with a thousand yard stare like right. he kind of just was like a little dead in the eyes while right, he guy, was a guy coming reciting back from those war names. who saw too much. That type of. Vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so so he is that is absolutely a chip on his shoulder. But the whole family this episode also kind of had like a little family ties uh, theme mm-hmm. throughout it with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Hutch, uh, Aiden Hutchinson and his family again with David Bilal. But just to stay on Amon Ra real quick, like his dad being Mr. Universe, I had interviewed his brother, Equinemius St. Brown at the combine when he was coming out. And so I have all of these fun facts, which I did not bother to uh, double check, double source here, but uh, I'm going to tell you what I have in my notes and you can do whatever you guys want with them. Okay. But I do have a little note here that says the dad added Saint to his last name because he said it just kind of came to him in the moment and he thought it would look cool on the back of a jersey. Because Mm -hmm. it was when we see the dad's name is John Brown, it did throw me for a loop. Uh, that it took me a while to recover from, but Saint was added. Okay, gotcha. Right. So there's that. Then another little fun fact about his brother Equinemius was that his dad started him lifting weights at age eight 
and would feed him protein shakes and red meat three times a day. Now that is Uh-oh. unconfirmed. Uh-oh. Not sure about that. <laughs> However, his dad seemed pretty intense in this episode. And even when they were working out, the fact that there's no talking really allowed while no they're working out. And I'm not sure why, why his dad was talking down to water, but he was yeah, saying, was that, say, like, what's what's wrong with spit? Are you getting soft now? I don't know. I feel like water is kind of a pretty well-known thing that I everyone should drink. He's old school. He's like Bear Bryant having a nine hour practice in summer without water breaks because it makes you a better football player vibe. I don't I don't necessarily I feel like the science doesn't support lack of hydration during high level exercising. But, yeah, no water allowed. No talking. Um, The stuff about eating all the red meat. And what was the other note you had there? Uh, that he would just get protein shakes oh, yeah, protein at shakes. a very young age. Kevin, that, at least that was equanimous. I'm right. sure oh, maybe I'm sure. It's the same for all the brothers. Sure. I don't know. They both got it. And then somehow Kevin Durant at one point catches a stray uh, because <laughs> his Achilles, because he wasn't doing enough, I guess, calf exercises. I was like, whoa, this dude is wildly intense. Um, and I, I will say that I, I do believe the Brown family or, or the St. Browns, uh, whatever you want to refer to them as, they should have a suite. I mean, if we're going to give the oh, Hutch, yeah. and I understand the Hutches, it's $20 million um, guaranteed in the in the bonus money. and uh, But it's not a great look when you got the Browns down there in the 200 level, and then you flash up to the Hutches. And let's check in with the Hutches. What is the name of the sitcom when the Hutches have their own sitcom? Checking in with the Hutches? That's, that's, let's workshop that one. Um, I enjoyed... A lot about it. I like the uh, moment with Mia Hutchinson. I filed this under one of my quotes of the day okay. uh, from episode two. Just, um, I don't know. I just like the way she said this. Play it, uh, Gravedigger. Marcus Mariota. I just like the way she said that. Well, funny. also the mom like shushes them. They're like, come on. Like, she's like, come on. Aiden is in here. But this is I, his first like- play ever. <laughs> It's a very relatable thing, especially when like some of these quarterbacks are, are changing teams in the offseason. Right. Um, that was that was very funny. I was thinking maybe like the um, no, uh, I was I was trying to workshop a Hutch name for you, but the Brady Hutch doesn't work. Never mind. Um, we'll what there. I would like. To, yeah, we'll, we will. Yeah. We will. I like that they have a family logo on their tees, uh, Team Hutch. That they all wear. It's yeah. like a customized uh, logo. What do you think? But about the it? shade, the shade. I mean, it, it's is it fine. like an it's old fine. school upright? Is that what the logo is? With the H I think so. On each side? Yeah, yeah. That's a sure. you know they're getting creative. I'm sure they have a name uh, workshopped for their sitcom. But I did love the shade that uh, Amon Ra's dad, John Brown, kind of sent their way when he said they're not sitting in the stands with us. <laughs> Yikes! No. Um, that was that was a rough moment, but hey, listen, yeah, that uh, I would like a crossover a with the Browns and the Hutches on a spe- very special episode of Hanging with the Hutches. Hanging I, with the Hutches. There I, you go. I think that would really work. Let's take a break, and then Connie's going to drop a hammer of an observation from episode two. We'll be right back. Great. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, Connie, I teased it, so you better have You something. did. You did. Um, and I was, like, going to bring up David Blau here, so oh, I don't feel talking? like that is a good spot. Is it time for the Blauhards? Blauhards, stand yeah. Up? So, I think so. Listeners of the Around the NFL podcast um, are surely aware that um, a few years back, Mark Sessler, our colleague, um, fell, fell hard for David Blau and um, formed a, a, a fan club called the Blauhards, and I have mm-hmm. since signed up with the Blauhards. I know you're a member, card-carrying member of the Blauhards. Of course. Uh, so this was kind of a bittersweet episode from that standpoint. A tough Blau, if you will, for uh, for the Blauhards. Yeah. It, it was it was tough to see his wife, Melissa, watching the game in the stands, and it was not a great game for him. The play-by-play sat especially well with me when he said, I can't remember who was calling the game, but Blau was running out of time. It hit a little different, you know? Like, you could take that a lot of different ways. He kind of is running out of time here. He For people, you know, a little behind the scenes, I mean, listen – Jared Goff's starting quarterback, but Tim Boyle and David Blauer in the in a battle for the backup duties. And this is this has always been traditionally really uh, fertile ground for hard knocks, the backup quarterback role. So I do want to I want to see the other side of this. I want to get some Boyle uh, mm-hmm. in the in the future episodes to get that side of things. But I do like Blau. I like that he was involved. I like meeting his uh, Olympian wife. Uh, but it is the bittersweet. I, 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 aspect of it Connie is how we had all the build up and he's going to her training and we're seeing the rooting uh in the from the team headquarters a year earlier when she was qualifying for the Olympics and then for the preseason game to have a hideous botch snap in the fourth quarter and then the fourth quarter rally goes nowhere uh the Blauhards are you know not feeling too hot and we're worried about his job prospects to hold on to this gig 
Sure. But hopefully there is a redemption story right around the corner because that has been the Blauhards calling card um, with him. So we'll see. Maybe he can recreate. Wasn't it Thanksgiving that he had that amazing game? Yes. Didn't he have like one. Re- yeah, it was Thanksgiving. Now. That was his moment. Um, Another highlight for me was Barry Sanders being a big fan of the field conditions. I mean, he just was going on and on about the grass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I listen, if you're old enough to remember Barry Sanders, and I was, I was a high school kid when he was the greatest running back on the planet. Listen, Emmett Smith might have been the most decorated or that have the most yards, but the best running back of the 90s and maybe the best running back ever in the non-Jim Brown category, to me, might be Barry Sanders. That's how amazing he was and special. And Barry is not, to me, the most uh, charismatic individual. Uh, when I see when he's interviewed, he doesn't always jump off the page. And I, you almost could sense the uh, hard knocks wanted to give him a little more juice in this episode, but he just didn't say anything that interesting on the sideline other than, man, this grass is sure is green. I mean, listen, he loved it, though. I, I did enjoy the flashbacks in 97 where he had the massive shoulder pads like with the dead grass supporting right. his point. It is the grass incredible. Is As a quick aside, <laughs> it is incredible how far the teams and the league itself has come in terms of field preparation and maintaining and in general, just putting in the players in the best position to be healthy and successful. Uh, that was only 1997. And it, it looked like they were playing on a sandlot in Brooklyn in 1950. It was like, what are we, what are we doing here? Uh, but luckily, uh, Barry never suffered an injury on that type of turf. Um, you know, since you bring it up, two things. Number one, okay. um, I once covered, the first Super Bowl I ever covered was Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis. Giants, Patriots, too. And uh, me and Mark, it was both uh, our first Super Bowl uh, coverage experience together. And our boss at the time, Justin, um, put us to work. And it was fine. We were young and hungry. and We wanted it. We ended up both working like 75 or 80 hours that week. When we turned in the time card, it was like a minor disaster uh, oh back in God. the home office when we turned in the card. Uh, but you get up to that number because of things like on Saturday before the Super Bowl, I was sent to cover the celebrity flag football game at the minor league field in Indianapolis, which was wild. Uh, Snoop was the captain of one team, I believe Maria Menudo's. Uh, was the uh, standout on the other team. And the only thing I can tell you is that it was a mix of um, stars, stars, um, and retired athletes. And Barry Sanders, I'll never forget, being completely kind of out of the uh, game plan. Like, Barry Sanders was on one of the teams in this flag football contest, and they rarely used him. I'll never forget that, just seeing Barry wandering around the field not getting the ball. Um, and who put this together? Whose fault was that? I don't know. DirecTV? Wow. I don't know. Um, Bad job. And then also on the Barry Sanders tip, yes, it is time now for our Liev Schreiber quote of the week with our Liev Schreiber stand-in, the great Jason Zumwalt. Take it away, Jay. Detroit icon Barry Sanders is a straight-up legend. Ironic, because straight lines were never his move. Two for two. So good. He's so good at this. (laughs) They could just pay Zumwalt to do it. Yeah. Well, it'd probably be cheaper. All right, what other takeaways, Connie, as we get uh, closer to the MVP picks for episode two? Yes. I just have, like, uh, two other little things. You know how I 
I think the greatest compliment that anyone can give is calling someone a bastard because that's mm. what I have named our ATN uh, text chain. Oh, yeah, of course. ATN bastards. Like when someone is a bastard, they are someone who can joke around and they can kind of like trash each other in a fun way. And I feel like we saw that a lot throughout this episode with uh, Deuce Daly telling guys to study because they're not getting dates for their looks. <laughs> Uh, Dan Campbell getting on TJ Hawkinson about his shorts that look like his wife's. Yep. yep. Um, he said his wife used to have shorts that looked like that. They were very short. I lo- I mean, that was that was one of the highlights for me. Yep. But I, I think that that is sort of a recurring theme, that there are some some pretty big bastards on this team. Yeah, that's good. Bastardos. Um, always good to have a few of those or a bunch of those. Um, I had a question about Hutch. Hutch did the MJ sack celebration uh, or a tackle. He had a tackle for loss in the preseason game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a Michael Jackson impersonation. I don't know because I don't follow the game, college game closely. Was that directly because of the Billy Jean moment from episode one? Or was that something he's done previous in his career? I assumed that it was because of episode one. And I think at one point, even his mom says that she had texted him about it earlier in the day. I like that. So I think that they're just trying to like build the brand See, I like a little that bit. A lot. Just like I, they have the Hutch yeah. clothing line. They're trying to build that brand. And Aiden Hutchinson was also rehearsing the handshake that he was going to do. I guess it's like a handshake, handshake celebration. Like when he was dapping someone up, uh, they were rehearsing it on the side earlier in the episode. So I thought that was kind of cute. It was. It was. Uh, do we you know? Want, is there anything else we want to hit before we get to our MVP votes using the I guess vector the only, voting system? The only thing I was thinking was in the recap, like last time on Hard Knocks, they replayed Jamal Williams and his speech. And when he said, if you're going to piss like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat in mm-hmm. the moment, I really wasn't sure what the hell he was talking about. But when they replayed it, I figured it out. I finally realized, oh, I guess he means the puppies are scared and that's why they're pissing on the porch. Yeah. But it's still a little unclear, I guess. Oh, that didn't connect with you. <laughs> It didn't connect with me because I've never had puppies pissing on the porch before. I've never had a porch. Um, So, yeah, I guess the big dogs eating and the puppies pissing. I got like a little confused in the metaphor. Okay, well, you eventually landed it. So everything's everything's fine. Plot line predictions for episode three. I got uh, okay. we need. And you could feel it. The Hard Knocks producer is like, oof. Okay, we need to get into Jared Goff at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it If we wait till episode four, that feels too long. We can't push it to episode five because that's just almost disrespectful. David Bilal got the time before golf. Right. Did. So it's like I feel like episode three is going to be a neat little spot for him. Um, we're still waiting, as I mentioned last week, for a visit downtown that pays homage to the Detroit music scene, you know, soul, mm-hmm. blues, hip hop, garage rock. You know, maybe we get a Jack White visit his, visits Lions practice. You know, these are all things that could be. In oh, play. I would love that. And uh, one last prediction is you you mentioned Jamal Williams and his mm-hmm. uh, dog metaphors. Um, bring him back. I mean, oh yeah, we I was more. saying that before the show to Gravedigger, saying who's a, an example of a a running back who, whenever he gets a chance, shines, and then all of a sudden he goes into hibernation. The coach puts him in mothballs. Tony Pollard, great job. Uh, by Gravedigger there with the Cowboys. That's what it felt like for episode two. It's like Jamal Williams just blew up the world, and then all we get from him is an episode closing uh, 
dad joke about James Bond. I need more Jamal Williams in episode three. Seems fair, Bubble right? 07. Bubble it was so good. It was pretty James good. Bond taking a bath. Bubble 07. All right, let's I listen to the it. joke in case you didn't hear the joke. <laughs> what do you call James Bond taking a bath? Bubble 07. All right, it's time for episode MVP voting. Again, vector voting scale. First, second, and third place votes all carry different uh, point totals that are weighted. At the end of the fifth episode, the finale on September 6th, we will reveal uh, through addition. Just simple math that Gravedigger will handle. Um, who is indeed the Hard Knocks MVP for 2022? Uh, who is your first place? Wait, Dan, can I stop you right there? Yeah. What if we count up from third, second, first? A little more drama All right. in the reveal. You know what? Ooh. Good job by you. It was actually running through my head. Should we do it that way? I went the other way, but now that you're coming in, that's good producer work. And that's Justin Graver. Who is your third place uh, vote for MVP of episode two. I'm going to go with Deuce Daly. He's been a favorite of mine from the jump. Last week, he was my second place vote. So this week, I didn't want to go second place again with Deuce. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to knock him down to three. All right. I have, and that's a good vote. We're going to hear more about Deuce in a minute. Third place, I have Dan Campbell. I, I, mm. Obviously, this wasn't Campbell's uh, episode one coming out party, but he had two lines that I love uh, first, the aforementioned uh, chance encounter with Hawkinson as tight end that led to this commentary on his shorts. Really accentuates the butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Devin Funches, who you may remember once upon a time being a uh, Panthers wide receiver of note. Now he's looking to catch on and make a, a splash with the Lions. He makes a nice catch in the back of the end zone on, I believe it was a Tim Boyle throw. And uh, Campbell, I think kind of into his headset, but also to no one in particular had this to say. Fucking Funches bunches of oats. <laughs> All right, I love that one. So that gets him that gets him on the medal stand. Who's your second place? Second place is Amon Ra St. Brown's dad, John <laughs> Brown. Me too. Later known as <laughs> yes. John St. Brown. Are you serious? John Brown. <laughs> Don't call him John St. Brown because he's not. Yeah, he's it's got to be. I mean, the old footage of him as Mr. Universe and then all of the stuff with him in the weight room with them now. I mean, it was just perfect. I also like, um, you know, as a dad and uh, I just got back from Legoland um, today, this morning, in fact, and I'm just like me and the eight year old were just starting to bump heads a little bit because he just won't listen to me as much anymore. So, you know, we're starting to you know do that thing, do that dance, that part of fatherhood. And you got to uh, feed him red meat three times I a think day. I do. That's, that's it. But that's I, the answer. I, I like this line. I, I could I could empathize with this line from John Brown where he's like, you know, people should listen to me. Look, I know I'm a father, but I'm freaking Mr. Universe two times. I know what I'm talking about. When it two, comes times. To here. two times. Two times. <laughs> yes. Maybe if he just won it once. Mm-mm. I love how many times do you think he reminds people about that? And that's so awesome. I love it. I think John Brown is a reality show. If it was 2008, he would have a reality show on TLC off this. I mean, maybe there's maybe still time. Around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So okay. we both have John Brown. I don't know. I, I thought about, is that throwing away a vote? Because, you know, John Brown, is he going to keep popping up? But we don't know. Maybe you will. I hope he does. Exactly. That's, I had no problem with that. A second place. I bet. I know we're going to have the same first place now. I don't think so. What is your no? first place? In fact, I know we won't. Who's your first place? Whoa. I'm going with Rodrigo. 
feel like he had such a big part of, I mean, he was just such a big part of like that whole speech when Kelvin Shepard was ripping everybody apart. Mm -hmm. He was kind of a star at practice. Uh, You've got Rodrigo talking about it's a great time get to be hit in practice (laughs) and hitting people. I don't know. That was a, he's my, he's my underdog that I'm rooting for. And so I had to give him my first place vote. Uh, I totally see where you're coming from with that. I, you know, the reason I, he didn't get a vote for me is because I thought the storyline around him is interesting, mm-hmm. but I didn't think he personally did enough to get the gold or, or medal for me. So I'm happy that he's thriving, but uh, I need to see more of him to get on the medal stand. I gave it to Deuce Staley. I think love that I, I love Deuce, uh, how he's acing what is essentially an audition for the 31 other teams as a head coach. And that's what these, that's what this show can be um, for an assistant coach. And I don't think there's anything. I think he's being himself. I think he's being real. I loved that, uh, that whole interlude with uh, Deandre Swift. I I just thought that was, Mm -hmm. that's a good coach. That's a guy that is using his experience uh, to see the, that Swift is a special player, the way he talked about him to the coaches, the way he spoke directly uh, too swift in the meeting right after that. And it did remind me of uh, this always stuck with me um, on all or nothing, the all or nothing season with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there's a end of season meeting, uh, private meeting between the running backs coach of that team named Stump Mitchell and a young David Johnson. And Stump Mitchell says kind of the same thing or something similar uh, to what, do said to DeAndre Swift, which is, listen, you could be really special. You could be as good as anybody in the league right now if you just keep up what you're doing. That was more like a, you're doing everything great, just keep doing it. Deuce mm-hmm. clearly thinks that Swift needs to be pushed. And I think um, Swift, I don't know if he does make the leap in year three, but I think he has the right coach to do it. So I think Deuce back-to-back episodes has been really – uh, fun to watch and just seems like the type exact type of guy you as a head coach you want underneath you as an assistant coach. I've been slow playing my Deuce Daily Love a little bit because I have just like always loved him so much. And I'm I've been worried watching this that I'm a little biased because mm-hmm. of his past with the Eagles and everything else. But now you're just confirming that everything I'm thinking is right. So, yeah, uh, the Deuce Daily Love is real. No, the Deuce Daily train is rolling. And and a special mention to my guy, Aaron Glenn, who I do I think he's coming off very well in the show as well. And if that defense gets a lot better this year, and it could, um, I think his name is going to come up for head coaching jobs come January. Uh, Just a guy that obviously commands respect and knows his ball. All right. Now, before we say goodbye, a couple things. Connie, we gave Gravedigger a lot of work, I feel like, our producer in episode one. I think we had asked him. uh, Swag. Swag. We asked for uh, Detroit pizza at some point oh yeah uh, I, there might have been a third request that i'm not recalling off the top where of my are head. we with the request yeah so where are we producer justin uh after one week we have merch has arrived hey and i love it you hear in. that connie we got merch this is great i'm okay. gonna come in the studio to present it to dan and then we can hold up yours so you can see it because we'll okay. give it to you when you're back in town i'll I be a- in studio next week perfect 
I have a lead on Detroit-style pizza, so maybe next week in studio we'll eat a little bit. Maybe that's a finale thing. Maybe it is a yeah. finale mm. thing. Maybe, but if you got a Good lead, idea. that's great news. Great and then news. the third request I will have to double-check on because I also don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. All right, here comes Justin with the shirts. We got the merch. Yes. We got them. And that's not what we're it's not. It's a varsity jacket. Oh, look no. at. Ooh, Connie. It is what? NFL films on the front. Ooh. This clearly is Connie's shirt. I, this would be a little I, tight ooh, on me. Oh, it's a crew shirt. Yeah. Crew shirt. Hard Love Knocks it. crew. That's beautiful. <gasps> Thank you to Ken Rogers and the NFL oh my God, films. I can't people. wait. Very good. Um, we'll wear that with pride. Uh, listen, we're done. Yes. That's great. Integrity doesn't isn't a thing on the Hard Knocks podcast. No, we're proud the of this this whole operation and the product, and we're just promoting it. Absolutely. All Special right. shout out to Chris Wong for sending those to us. Chris Wong. Thanks, Chris. We love you. Um, all right. Now, we'll be back next week, episode three. Make sure mm-hmm. you tune in for that. And a special... I'm, ex- I'm especially excited for this one, Connie, because you're going to be in studio yes. with me, and we're going to really... We're going to chop up episode three... You know, real quick, I hope that there's some more cars involved. I know that that's like another theme with Detroit. And I thought there would be more cars. Like I noticed that they incorporated some of the guys using like big tires and then would smash cut to like an old car type thing to make that Detroit theme go. Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping there's even more coming up. Need that. You also reminded me of David Blau and his uh, hype speech on the last drive when they're trying to run out the clock and. I don't know if anybody's listening to him, but he's in the huddle and he's like, listen, this city, you know, they like it tough. They, you know, they, they want us to grind this out and, and we're going to show the t- city that we're tough like them. And then like a snap fires off his hands again, oh, a bittersweet, no. bittersweet day for the Blauhards. But there's always next week on Hard Knocks. That car backfired. Yeah. I hope this time next week, Connie, we are talking positively about David Blau having a big week two preseason, but we'll have to wait. We will. I'll bring the robe. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. Here he comes. David Robido. Do you think David just walks around the house with this playing? I hope he wakes up and it starts playing. It's like he just turns it on and his wife's like, turn it off. <laughs> He's making coffee with it on. Robido, don't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week. See you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.